0: Welcome everybody. It's what we do every Friday here on 710 ESPN Seattle. It is time to get in the cage. Always a pleasure to bring to the program a man you know and love. And if you watch any of the post fight press conferences for the UFC, he's got the best seat in the house front and center gets the first question from MMA junkie. I'm talking about the one, the only John Morgan with us on the Zeke's pizza hotline. John, how's it going, man?
1: Always good, man. Always a pleasure to be here. I appreciate the time.
0: It's it's good to have you on, and it was it was good catching up with you for a brief moment out at uh, UFC two thirty nine. Uh, I, I want to get a quick thought from you on that card before we talk about some other things going on. But uh, I've I've had debates since that card with uh, you know various fight fans. You know, John Jones didn't win, or John Jones looks terrible, or you know, let's see him do this. Let's see that guy went five rounds with him, and I feel like. And I'm not making the case that John was electric by any stretch of the imagination. Not one of his best performances. But I feel like he's, he's become so dominant that if somebody who's expected to get destroyed, expected to get stopped, if they last, if they just are in there with him for five rounds, all of a sudden it's, well, they won. You know, it, it, they get a tremendous amount of credit. Anthony Smith got all the credit in the world for this heart and, and everything he showed in that fight. And I'm thinking he didn't win a moment of that fight. Yet there was all this praise for him and the same for uh for uh Tiago who who fought through injury and I give him all the credit in the world, but I to me it was a pretty clear decision. I, I was surprised actually it was split. It seems he gets a lot of credit for lasting for five rounds, and that's kind of in in my opinion, related to the dominance of John Jones. Do you agree with that or am I I'm off just, base?
1: I I think you're absolutely on base. I've actually had conversations with people too, they they you know it seems like they think I'm crazy, but I think you could make the case that John won every round of that fight. I think if it was fighter A versus fighter B You know, you're scoring it in entirely different ways. So I think you bring up some great points. I thought one and five were very close. So I had no problem with 48-47 Jones. I was a little surprised, as you said, with the split. But I think you're exactly right. I think the fact that he's been so dominant for so long that if rounds are close, you just go, wait a minute, did John lose that round? And and, and that's not what's happening. And, And, you know, add in the fact that I just think people don't like John Jones, to be honest with you. I think there's a lot of people that aren't fans of his, and I think they want to see him lose. Uh, and, and I think the scoring was a little off. So I give Thiago Santos all the credit in the world, man. And a lot of people thought he might be in over his head, adding the fact that he blew out his knee in the opening round. He fought a great fight in terms of effort. Uh, I, I give him all the kudos in the world for that. But in terms of thinking that he beat John Jones, I mean, at the end of the fight, I just don't know how you could look at that and say, yep, Thiago Santos was definitely the better fighter that night.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's an odd reaction. And as I've thought about it, it just feels like that sort of I guess the side effect to just dominating everybody is that if anybody doesn't get destroyed, if they look like they're competitive at all, oh, well, they won that round, they won that fight, and I'm like, man, if you're going to win the fight, you got to win the fight. You can't just be there for five rounds. Which I don't know. That seemed to be the argument. But having having said all of that, who who should be next for him? Because if we're talking about, you know, we we need a big fight to get excited about and to get maybe a casual fan excited about. I don't feel like there's anybody in the light heavyweight division that has that sort of pull. I'm not saying there isn't talent, but I know Corey Anderson's out there talking, and, and you know, all due respect to him, he's not bringing people to the TV. You know, same same with Blockovitz, everybody else. I, I just don't know who in the light heavyweight division that he could match up against that would get people buzzing and get people excited. Is there is there somebody I'm missing?
1: No, I, I think you're absolutely right, and I think that's the reason. You know, during fight week, that John Jones started mentioning the name Daniel Cormier a little bit more. You know, he hadn't mentioned it for a while. He seemed like he was not down for doing it, but I think he realized exactly what you do. That yes, there's fights to make. I mean, Dominic Reyes is a name you didn't mention that could, that could be in there. Of course, Johnny Walker. You know, he's he's unhealthy right now. He's got he's not got injury, but once he's ready to go, that's that's something. But. But these are just fights. You know, these are just potential title defenses. These are not blockbuster pay-per-view matchups that people are going to get excited for. I think there's only one name, and that's Daniel Cormier. Uh, I, I don't think Daniel Cormier can get down to 205 anymore. So I guess that would be the qualification to your answer. It wouldn't be a light heavyweight fight. It'd be a heavyweight fight. I think that's the only fight right now that would involve John Jones that would get people truly excited. Would be to see John Jones move up to heavyweight and, and and have the trilogy fight with Danny Cormier.
0: Last one on John, and and this is you. You talk about there are people that don't like him, and that that's true of most fighters. But John has has done damage to himself outside of the cage. We all we all talked about it. We're all aware of it. Uh, a lot of the criticism that you'll see about you know this performance or even Anthony Smith, he didn't finish these guys. Well, he's a different fighter when he's not he's not doing uh, steroids when he's not doped up. This is a different guy, and I'm thinking, you know what? physically he looks exactly the same as he always has. You you didn't see that Vitor Belfort transformation where he was, you know, a, a, a competitive bodybuilder and then he looks like a melting candle after he stops doing <laughs> stops doing whatever it was he was doing. You don't have that effect with John Jones, but it seems like people want to look at these last two performances and say, "Well, he wasn't as explosive or electric because he's now a clean fighter." Do you think there's anything to that?
1: I don't. I don't buy into that. You know, I, I listen, I understand the controversy surrounding John Jones. I, I don't believe he's a, a drug cheat. I don't believe he had any kind of systematic program in place. I do believe he ingested something that he should have. You know, I don't think that the, the picograms and things that got in there got there by accident. Um, but, you know, you talk to people around him, just he's so naturally gifted and talented. I mean, his brothers are in the NFL. Um, you know, I know people that have trained with him that would say that, you know, during the height of his partying, you know, he would just come in like basically fresh off a of bender from the night before, and still own everybody in the gym to the point that even he made you question why you were doing the same sport when you couldn't perform on the same level. You know, I do think he's fought a little bit conservatively. I, you know, I do think he realizes what's at stake. Uh, you know, the type of financial ramifications a loss would have, and he doesn't want to take undue chances. And I, and I think, to be honest with you, he hasn't been quite as motivated. Uh, you know, for these performances as well. In the same way that fans aren't as fired up. I don't think John's competitive juices get flowing. I think he's, he's fighting more cautiously, realizing there's way more to lose than, than there is to win. So I, I don't believe that's the case. I, you know, I, I don't think John is, is a cheat. Um, I, and I do think that you know a fight like D.C., if they could make that again, I think you would see John at his finest.
0: By the way, there's no way Chandler Jones really believes he could take him, does he? <laughs> no, you,
1: no way. Did you see that video <laughs> of him
0: talking on TMZ?
1: I did not for a moment. He's, he's, that's that's a, that's a rivalry
0: fun right there. But he does not believe that. Okay, I was I took it as a joke as well. I'm like, all right, brothers, siblings, yeah, they talk smack, but he knows better. But just that's it. just double checking. Hey, we uh, got a, We got a I think a card that's kind of flying under the radar this weekend. UFC Fight Night with Rafael Dos Anjos and Leon Edwards going up against each other. Uh, before I get your thought on that one a guy that's on the card that that seems like some of the furor has died down around. There was a lot of hype and a lot of angst about Greg Hardy's emergence into the ufc which i completely understand he's a guy i i in full disclosure i root for him to go out there and get the hell kicked out of him anytime he's in the cage we'll, we'll see i think he's a bad guy man i mean i've covered football for a long time i'm i'm well aware of who he is behind the scenes so i've got zero interest in seeing this guy succeed yet he's there he is intriguing i get the the curiosity about him Tell me about Juan Adams. He's not a guy that I'm very familiar with, and I'm I'm an MMA geek, and I I can't tell you much about Juan Adams. Is he a guy that you think is something different than what Greg Hardy's faced, which in my opinion have been setups, guys to give him some confidence, tomato cans, if you will. Where would you put Juan Adams?
1: Uh, you know, I do think this is somebody different. I think this is more of a, a stern test. I think Juan Adams is still a developing product as well. He's massive. Uh, he'll match Greg Hardy in terms of size. These guys both cut down. Uh, they both weighed in this morning at 266 pounds, so they, they used the one-pound allowance at the heavyweight limit. They both told me uh, yesterday that they plan to be about 280 uh, on fight night. So, I mean, in terms of size, yes, it's going to be there. Uh, you know, the striking, Juan is still developing his striking. He's got power. Anybody of that size can obviously knock you out. But as far as, you know, the speed, the quickness, the technique, it's not necessarily there, but it is developing. He's still very early in his career, as, as is Hardy. Um, he does have, Juan does have the wrestling on his side. He, he grew up, you know, with, with wrestling as a base. So that's something that he can certainly use to advantage. And there's, there's some serious storyline, you know, behind this. Juan wanted this fight. He called him out. You know, he used a, a very explicit hashtag, With Greg Hardy's name in it to to, to basically call him out over the past couple months. And, you know, I thought it, to be honest with you, I thought it was just kind of a marketing gimmick. You know, he he knew that Hardy's name carried some weight and this would put him in the spotlight. It turns out that uh, when Juan Adams was six years old, he he witnessed his mother as a victim of domestic violence and and he tried to fight her, you know, tried to fight this gentleman that was beating his mom. And of course, at six years old, there wasn't much he could do about it and it kind of haunted him. And knowing Greg Hardy's past and the accusations and the conviction that he had, uh, Juan Adams looks at this as almost a, a form of revenge. So there's some real motivation outside of, you know, just WWE theatrics. There's there's some stuff behind the scene, uh that, that makes this an intense fight. So, uh, yes, this is a more of a stern test for Greg Hardy. Uh, but both these guys are still very, very young in their mixed martial arts career. So, you know, neither is a polished product just yet.
0: Where where are you at with, with Greg Hardy? Are you conflicted at all? Do you feel like all right this he should have any opportunity anybody else does or how how do how do you feel about his presence in the UFC? I'll
1: be honest, I am very conflicted about it. You know, I, I, I didn't cover football, you know, I don't cover that sport, but but I've read the report since and I've studied it since. So I, I wasn't there when it, it was all happening live, but you know, I I've read what it is and it's despicable. I mean the things that are out there, he was convicted of it, yes. It was overturned, uh, you know, through uh, you know through the courts later on. But it, it, there was a conviction there, um, and, and it's you know the, the things that he was accused of are, are awful. But you talk to the people that are around him, you talk to him himself, you know, he says, "Listen, I, you know, I'm clean and sober now. I'm doing different things." He lives at the dorms at American Top Team, you know. So here's a guy that once had a, a guaranteed multi-million dollar contract in the NFL, and and he started it over. and He went to another sport, and you know, I think that's where the The conflict lies, too, right? I mean, I think in America we believe that everybody deserves second chances. And, you know, this guy lost millions of dollars, left it on the table, went to another sport. It just so happens that that other sport is one where you where you beat people, you know, to to be successful at it. And So I think that's where the conflict lies. You know, do you get a chance to start over? Do you get a chance to try again? I, I think you should. But, you know, it's just the optics of it are tough. But you talk to the people around him, he's the first one in the gym, he's the last to leave, he works hard um so yeah i'll be honest with you i'm conflicted every time because you can't erase uh what he did you can't erase what's there but at the same time you know do do human beings get a chance to try again
0: hey give me your thoughts on the on the uh, main event rafael dos anjos is a guy that i think most mma fans should be familiar with he's a I, I admire this guy. He's down to fight anybody. It just feels like there's not a fight he would turn down or an opponent he would turn down. Um, and he's going up against a guy that I think is, is kind of flying under the radar who can be pretty dangerous, and Leon Edwards. I, this, this feels like it could be problematic, in my opinion, for Dos Anjos. Where, where are you at with this matchup?
1: I like it a lot. You're right. This this matchup is flying under the radar a little bit. You know, Dos Anjos, a proven commodity, as you said, this is the age where where people are – picking fights and you know sitting out and calling certain names and he says just just give me anybody i don't care what the ranking is let's just do this so i love it you know he lost a couple of fights at welterweight and people kind of looked at him backwards but he lost to kamer Usman and Kobe covington you know the the champ and the former interim champ so the very top two of the division right now but he's facing a guy in leon edwards now that's on a seven fight winning streak and his only loss in like the last 10 is, is to kamer Usman as well um but he you know a lot of people don't really know him. he's he's fighting in europe he's he was originally born in Jamaica and he was brought up in England and he's been fighting in Europe, mainly uh, a couple fights in Asia as well. So it just, it hasn't really gotten the attention of the U S public, but he's got this fantastic win streak together. And this is kind of his breakout moment. I think this is the opportunity for him uh, to, to really burst into the mainstream. And don't forget, he was the one that was involved in that backstage altercation with Jorge Masvidal, right. you know, Masvidal's star stars through the roof right now. So, you know, an Edwards win here, you're talking about a potential big fight with Edwards and Mazvidal as a number one contender fight at 170 pounds. So this is a big fight, and I think it's a very good fight. And as you said, you know it's it's kind of an under the radar card, but it's on ESPN, and I think they built it that way. That this main card is full of matchups that looked like they could be very, very exciting on paper.
0: Yeah, I, I'm fired up for this. I, I can't wait. And before I let you go, let me just jump ahead to next weekend since we won't have a chance to talk to you and just get a quick thought on two fights on that card. And and one would be uh, right before the main event, Chris Cyborg making her return after being knocked out by Amanda Nunez. It, do, you, do you think how, – how much did that hurt her rep? Because I almost look at Chris Cyborg sort of the way Mike Tyson was in his heyday where – she might have had some of her opponents beat before she got into the cage. She was that intimidating. I think there was a definite fear of her for good reason. But I think there was that psychological edge she had and now getting dispatched the way that she did against Nunez. I'm wondering if she's lost that sort of the way Tyson did in your mind. How, what what did that loss do to her?
1: Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, she still has the skill and the talent, you know, to deliver on that. But yeah, I mean, I, I remember talking to previous opponents that would refer that would refuse to call her cyborg. You know, they say, Oh, Christiani, we have to remember this is just a person you know that's the kind of aura she had they would refuse to call her by the nickname because they didn't want you to think that it was a machine you know they, they got it but yeah you see it knocked out and you do lose a little bit of that so uh you know i think she's still a top level fighter i mean at least if it's going to happen it happens to amanda nunes who right now i mean is, is, is number one on the planet and i think most people believe at this point she's the best women's fighter of all time so if it was ever going to happen and you still save some face. It's it, it's happening to Amanda Nunes, but she definitely did lose a little bit. But here in Felicia Spencer, you know, she's getting a, a, a girl that... I, I think Felicia is a potential future UFC champion. I just think it's very, very early in her career. Um, so, you know, the the mystique may still be there a little bit for her. Felicia is, is more of a grappler by trade, so she won't be looking to stand and strike. She'll be looking to take this thing to the floor. Uh, but I, I just... I, I'm a little bit worried for Felicia. I think it's a little bit early in her career for this type of fight. Cyborg is still something
0: special. Yeah, I agree with you. She comes at 7 and 0 against somebody who's got the experience of Cyborg, so it seems like a big mismatch in terms of experience. We'll see what happens. Last one before I let you go, the 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 headliner of uh, UFC 240, that's Max Holloway going up against Frankie Edgar. Edgar's one of the all-time exciting fighters, just blood and guts fighter. You you can't not like Fred, Frankie Edgar. But I've heard criticism of him getting this title shot. He gets knocked out by Ortega. He comes back, gets a decision win over Cub Swanson. People feeling like he sort of jumped the line here, that maybe he's not worthy of it just in terms of where he's been lately, not just career achievements. But do you have any problem with Frankie getting this fight? And how do you size up the matchup with Holloway?
1: You know, I'll be honest, I, I, you know, if you're just looking in terms of rankings and right now, yeah, you, you probably would have an issue. But as you said, we're talking about Frank Yeager, a guy that didn't even have to face Brian Ortega. You know, he could have set out and waited for his title shot, but the company needed him. And he said, you know what? Cool, I'll do it. It backfired. And I think they felt like, well, we kind of owe him one there. And I mean, as you said, Frank Jaeger, one of the greatest of all time. There's no way you're not a fan of him. So, you know, is he necessarily the right call at this moment? Maybe not. But do I have a problem with it? Absolutely not. This guy is a legend and is deserving everything. It's kind of, it's kind of like the Michael Bisping title shot. You know, it's, it's the career accomplishment that you get at the end there. You get rewarded for it. Um, but this is a tough matchup. Max Holloway, absolute monster. You know, he, he had a setback at moving up to 155 pounds. I think people have concern about that. But uh, listen, Dustin Poirier is a monster, and that was a phenomenal fight. So uh, I, I like Holloway here. I, I think Holloway is, is uh, phenomenal at 145 pounds. But, uh, listen, Ed- Edgar is Edgar's tough, man. You think about what he used to do with the big boys at 155. Uh, I-, I think it's, it's, if nothing else, it's going to be a fun scrap.
0: He's one of the best in the business. You can read his stuff at com. He is John Morgan. John, always fun to talk to you, man. Thanks so much for taking time with me, and enjoy the fights this weekend, and look forward to talking to you again soon.
1: Yes, sir, Anytime.